0: Welcome to The Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're gonna be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're gonna hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way. Along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. Our guest today, like Jon Snow, has lived two lives. A former professional athlete turned founder, content creator, and subject matter expert, He now consults both Fortune 500 companies and SMBs through his companies, Barnett X and Creator X. He also creates content on all social media platforms, on topics such as business and marketing. And for me, my the thing that I love the most about what he does is that he creates content for creators, daily content for creators to learn how to not just, not do better, but just to try new things. He is a vigilante of views. He is the lord of likes. The king creator, JT Barnett.
1: What an intro. That was incredible. That fired me up.
0: Let's let's rock.
1: Let's do this. Let's
0: dive right into it. I'm excited. JT, Um We've chatted in the past, but it's first time meeting you today in person. Um, what do you do? Just explain to me, like, what is it that you do?
1: So, as a as a creator, I I just love people. That's the first thing. I love people, and I feel like we're in a time right now where anybody has the ability or the opportunity to be a creator. So, technically, my audience is creators. But what I like classify that as is like anybody who has a unique story or a unique angle that they can tell to the world, which is, you know, everybody in the world. So I, I don't I was know, waiting to hear you say that. Yeah. So so i I think my content applies universally, which is why I don't have like a a core kind of like niche um or of individual. Um it really is just like people that want to share the things that are going on in their life. And I think that the platforms that we have that are available to us right now have allowed, peop- have allowed anybody on the street to really build audience. So I talk to those people. As a company, what we do, I've kind of found my lane in teaching other companies how to create content because most big businesses don't really understand how to create the way that a creator does. And you and I know like creators are the best at building community and the best at building audience. And big businesses typically don't look at it the same way that creators do. So we go in and kind of act like that outsourced creator for them and teach them how to do it. Sometimes that's actually like bringing somebody in-house, sometimes that's just giving them strategies, Um, but we try to teach brands how to act more like a creator.
0: And when you do go in, does it seem like they think they know what they're doing?
1: In a sense, like a a lot of them know how to sell products um, through typical marketing channels. But it's just the landscape of marketing changes so fast. So a lot of them that are now 10, 20, 30-year-old companies that have been around for a while, it's just gone through so many iterations that now it's in a new phase. Like think about TikTok. So when TikTok comes out, rather than them trying to like adapt and learn how to do TikTok, they would rather bring people in that already know it that are like specialists at it to teach them or to even just run it themselves uh, rather than spend the time to learn. So that's where we go.
0: Right. And it's funny you mentioned TikTok and you asked me, you know, a little Jewish geography, you know, this, you know, this homie, this homie. So a little over two years ago, so it's February, 2020, and I've told this story on a pod before. um, Nick, I took Nick and Aaron out to Nick Diao to see some apartments in the West Village. And we went to lunch afterwards and I tell him, you know, I just, uh, I just recorded my first podcast, February, 2020. And he says, you know, you're done with the podcast. It's. Terrible idea, get on TikTok. And I'm remiss. I'm like, TikTok is for preteens doing dances, and that's it. And every video looked like it had so much um, so much production value. And I was like, there's no way this is gonna last. The amount of time it takes to make one video, people are gonna make two, three, four videos and get burnt out. Not the case.
1: Mm-mm. So this was February 2020. So fast forward later in that year. So Nick and I were Nick and I were just kind of like like chiming back and forth because Nick's always been a dude that I've gone to for just like advice and just what what should I do in this case because he's lived it. Um and him and I were talking about TikTok because I had started vlogging on YouTube and I was like, bro, and then like pandemic happens. So I'm vlogging. I'm living at my fiance's family's house, and it's just me and her and her two parents in my vlogs. And I'm like, this is I don't have the cast that I that I feel like I need to have a David Dobrik-esque kind of vlog. And he was like, have you been really posting on TikTok? So I I, I had been kind of like messing around with it. I dove all in on it around the same time that he did. And we both had this kind of like aha moment of, oh shit, like TikTok is real. Like he had a video that had like 25 million views overnight of like his girlfriend getting lost. I remember. And, I, and I, so that I happened. Very well. That happened. And then I had had similar experiences of just like random videos that were popping up. So then me and him were like, why don't we actually start a TikTok house? And then him and I went in business together, started a TikTok house. And that account went from zero to a million in 60 days. What was it the hive? Honey house. Honey house. The honey That's house. Close. Yeah. And, uh, Honey house after that went for to a million in 60 days, company started hitting up me and him saying, can you consult? And he, he had got a new role with, with his team with Gary. And so he was like, I don't have that much time to do this full time. I was like, I want to do this. I love it. And I think I was more like Nick operates more on the business side of things. And I like really love actually just creating the content. And not looking at an ROI. I love business side too. But I think that I if I if I were to look at like a like a percentage, I'd say I skew probably 65% content and the rest of it business. And I think Nick's kind of flip-flop. So we're both... 65, 45 is... 45 business is still... I love the business, but I wouldn't pick it more than I pick the content where I think that Nick would flip. I think Nick likes a business more than he likes actually creating, but he's still very creative, which is why we fit really nicely when we did that together. So we crushed that. I started consulting for brands. The first one was a a beverage drink called Poppy. Poppy popped off.
0: Who owns Poppy?
1: Allison and Steve Ellsworth uh, and Kavu. They're a Kavu brand. So Poppy popped off, no pun intended, and they in it they did hundred thousand dollars one with one organic video, just the founder talking to the camera holding the drink. That for me was a real aha moment in a business way of people need to learn how to do this because it can really move the needle for them as a company.
0: How were you able to monitor the the ROI from that one video? They
1: tr- could see they they weren't doing anything else on Amazon, and they used a discount code, and the discount code on Amazon was like the vast majority of it. Um, so that was a crazy moment. And then I was like, this is what I want to do. I love teaching. Like, obviously, you know, in my content, like I really just like, I like being the person that can spark ideas for people. So knowing that I could do that in a content setting for businesses and it actually like work for them was like, a, oh, this is some shit that I'm like really fired up for. So that was what I started. I started consulting and awesome. I started Barnett X. That and was and the beginning. X. And then CreatorX became the a uh, uh, arm off of it because the only pushback that we had from companies was I really want to do this but I don't have the the time or the bandwidth. Can you find me somebody that can that I can hire as an employee to come and do this? So I was so I started making videos on my personal TikTok saying Is there anybody that sees this that wants to run brands accounts and make a video every day and get paid three thousand bucks a month to make a video every single day?
0: So you crowdsource it. You crowdsourced for talent.
1: Yes. Through TikTok. Through TikTok. Fifteen hundred people signed up overnight. Eight thousand people now. And it was literally it's literally one no we've never spent a dollar. It literally is just me making videos into the camera saying, Guys, I'm in meetings all day with businesses. They don't know how to make content. They want to hire people like you. They're usually paying like a hundred bucks a video. If you're somebody that like would could really use three thousand dollars extra a month to make one TikTok per day, please go and sign up because I want to try and find you guys' business. A lot of people are interested in that.
0: And then what's the next step? So someone's like, I want three grand a day to make content for said company, uh, Poppy. Well, what would be another example? What's another company?
1: Super Coffee. Super Coffee. Poppy. And we've done it for bigger business too. Sketchers, We've done it for Microsoft. Super Coffee is pretty big. Yeah. Super Coffee. We found them a creator. And it, it fully depends on what the brand wants. Like the, some companies are like, we want a female in Los Angeles who's into health and wellness. Other people are like, I want a 35-year-old male in the middle of the country that's into tech. And are you gonna get that guy via we TikTok? Tr- yeah, we try and find any and every. Our specialty would be probably health and wellness, LA, male, female, our age.
0: Now are you using before TikTok, do you internally go through your Rolodex and think maybe I have someone in my network that could do this first? That was the
1: first thing I thought about. I was like, damn, do I know anybody that would want to run X, Y, and Z brands TikTok? But I didn't, I didn't have enough. And it was like literally like every brand that I was talking to was like, we want to get on TikTok, but we don't have the time. Can you find us somebody? So I was like, all right, I need to do something else to get more people in this. And it's not just through my Rolodex. So then I made a video and then I literally went to sleep and I woke up and in the, had it in a Google form. And in the Google form, 1,500 people. And it's like, and, I, and I put like a 46 question uh, type form. And they all filled it they out. They filled it out entirely. And I even in one place I wrote like, write a three like write three to five sentences about you and your passions and your hobbies it's like thorough it's detailed what you would charge for 30 videos so i my thing is i'm my long-term thing is creators i want to work with creators and i think i'll always work at the intersection of creators and business and i want create i didn't i don't ever want to take money from creators so i've never take. it's never been like a percentage thing of what what you get paid we take a cut of it it's the brand pays you directly whatever you want to get paid we only get paid from the company if they you guys agree on a negotiation. So we don't take anything from the creators and we don't pay the creators, the brand does. So you connect them
0: with no monetary not, nothing nothing yeah. monetary
1: coming to you. Exactly. With the expect but you don't have a deal with the We have a deal with the company. We're a headhunting firm with Creator X. Got it. Headhunting t- traditional headhunting model is company comes to headhunting firm says, "Hey, we're looking for a head of HR." We have 150 grand salary to pay, go and find us somebody that's worked at these three companies or that's in this demo. Headhunting firm then goes, does whatever they can to find this person, gets on conversations with them. And if the person's interested and meets with the company and actually signs a contract, then the headhunting firm takes a cut of that contract. I didn't want to take a cut because the sad thing about the headhunting firms is they're always trying to get the brand to pay more so they can take a bigger cut. And sometimes it's just not the right kind of feel. So I, because of my long-term thing as to work with creators, I'm like, I don't even want to be in the go- negotiation. You guys, I'll put you on a, in a room together. You guys work it out. If you work it out, cool. If you don't work it out, we won't take a cut. I give like estimate, estimates. So I'm like, typically, most creators are charging around 100 to 200 bucks per video. This is like when I was starting. Now I think it's a little bit more and I think it'll continue to be the more. Oh, it's the job. more now. Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll continue to be. Okay. Cause I think the value of creators is going up and people are realizing how impactful it can be.
0: In my mind, I would think that while the value goes up, the amount of creators grows. So supply and demand, if you have more people willing to do the work, then it'll cost less to get it done. That sounds to not be the case.
1: I think it's still so early that I don't think it's really reached like critical, like critical mass where it's like everybody knows that this is a job. It's so early that I think to even find okay. these roles is still so new. So I think the price will continue going up until it reaches probably a peak. And then it's like this is where it's maxed out right now. And majority of the people won't make more than this. And then the more people that join, it'll kind of bring it down a little.
0: Is there anybody in, in the space doing what Creator X does? This is blowing my mind. My wife is a recruiter. So I've I've been around this. I I hear her interviews and yada mm-hmm. yada. But what you're telling me, what Creator X does, you're a disruptor. You're absolutely disruptive. I'm a that.
1: disruptor in anything that I do. That's what I enjoy. The way that I the way that I'm doing this, though, I think is it's just it just fit for our model. Because again, if I didn't if I wasn't like long term, I want to work with these creators in my database mm-hmm. and have a relationship with them. I'd be like, let's let's manage these creators and right, like, try and take a cut and maximize the price of the brand pays. And, and you're
0: vetting them out before you're pushing them over.
1: We vet them out. Yeah. Right. We vet them out. And I talk to them. I know all. I know majority of them. Like majority of the ones that come through the door, somehow at some point I have a conversation with them because in the past, or or like right before it happens. Got it. Because I want them. I want them to succeed. I want the brand to be happy. I want the account to. I want the creator to succeed. Meaning, like I want them to have a business, like making money with the brand. I want the brand to be happy, and I want the account to perform. So even if it's so, sometimes we give the. I had like a masterclass that I put out, so I give that to the creator. So I'm like, here's how I would run a brand account. If you want any of these videos to just like walk through, walk through them. And then a lot of them, like I'll actually like get on conversations with and be like, here's kind of my thoughts ar- w- around what you could run. Um, so you're there
0: as a lifeline.
1: I want to be, yeah. hundred percent. Which is another reason why it's hard to scale what we're doing. I've had a lot of people come to me and be like, let me invest. Let's turn this into a tech platform. Let's automate it. And let's like blow this out. No, because then you lose, you lose value. I lose the human quality which I think is like really what I notice in business means a lot to me. You love hospitality. What does that mean though? What does that mean?
0: That means doing right by people. That means that touching people and them remembering you not for just who you are, but how you, met, how you made them feel.
1: 100%. Giving
0: people, like just being nice to people and giving them like fond memories and not like going above and beyond, but little things.
1: Well, I think that that's the real currency. Cause I don't think that, I think that most people remember how other people made them feel rather than just the thing that they did. And so I could make a, I could make a creator $5,000 for a month by like managing it and like blowing it out a little bit and then be like, all right, you're out of here. And they're not going to care about me making them five grand. They're going to be like, yo, that was a really shitty experience that didn't make me feel good at the end of the day. Rather than if they know that I'm like actually working on their behalf and want them to succeed and I'm not doing this to just maximize profit for our company. I think that the long term ROI actually will be beneficial. Like I think if monetarily, I think the long term ROI will be beneficial. That's
0: awesome. How old are you?
1: 30. Special.
0: <laughs> if you were uh if you were going public, I would I would invest in you.
1: Thanks, bro. Yeah. Appreciate that's, that.
0: That's that's special. So 30. Let's rewind 10 years ago, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. What got you into this? What was the story that brought you into content creation that brought you into people?
1: I was pro hockey player for, I played semi pro, um, from 15 to 20 and then pro from 20 to 25. Where'd you grow up? Scottsdale, California and Scottsdale. Not a typical hockey place. No. My dad was a hockey player turned into a hockey executive. I was born into it. Um, loved it. it was my passion. And then grew up, moved at 15 to go play with family in Canada. Lived in Canada for five years. Where in Canada? Around Vancouver.
0: Okay, so grew up West Coast, stayed West Coast.
1: Yep, West Coast always. Um, Stayed in Vancouver area for five years and then turned pro, played pro 20 to 25. And the way that content I think got in my life is hockey is very black and white. It's very conservative and very non-emotional is the way that I would put it. Uh, content and creativity is inherently more emotional and more colorful and less black and white. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm a very balanced individual. And so I think that hockey only served one side of what I really wanted. So I always, literally from the time that I was probably in like fifth, sixth grade, was doing creative shit. I was making videos at a little flip cam that I was filming on. I was doing MySpace. I was doing Facebook. I was making music. How big were you on Vine? I don't know if I was big. I probably had ten thousand. Okay. Well, I, when I mean big, I mean how often were you on Vine? Every day. Every day. Bro, if you l- pulled up the last thirty social media platforms, on, all I was them. on all of them. All of them. Every <laughs> one of them. And here's the thing for me: it's like it was an it was a it was an outlet um, for hockey. So it balanced out that like creative side that I needed to like continue playing hockey. So I would leave and I would produce music. I would be on Facebook. I would be on MySpace. I would be Designing clothes, I'd be drawing, I'd be doing all different types of artsy kind of shit. And living, f- living where at the time?
0: Living in Canada. In, living in- and then
1: in Canada. And then when I played pro, I played pro all throughout the US, bunch of different cities. Um, and then I played in Russia for a year and I played in France for a year. Those were my two last years. I was living in Russia. Crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: I played for the Russian army. What
0: do you mean the Russian? Like, is that the name of the team?
1: Yeah, Seska, CSKA, C S K A Red Army. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot, a lot to it. And you were creating content
0: while you were in Russia.
1: Yeah. So this is like what got me like really into it. So when I was playing before, when I was in Canada, I was the dude on my team because again, hockey, very black and white conservative. Nobody's doing creative shit. They're just like, let's play hockey. Let's go home. Let's sleep. Let's wake up. Let's play hockey. I was like I'm going home, I'm making music, I'm making beats, I'm messing around with things, I'm drawing, I'm doing clothes, all this. Wait,
0: is it were you used to this like in high school in Scottsdale in Vancouver Were your teammates the same way? So like growing up you always just had teammates who were wake up, hockey, eat, do whatever, always. not creating, always. not do, no music, just hockey, hockey,
1: hockey. 95% of them. I'd say 95% of hockey players are like Canadian. And again, it's nothing against them. I love hockey players. I love all the dudes that I played with, but majority of them Grew up either in Canada in a small town where hockey is everything and was literally their life, uh, their, their whole life. Um, or just like, it was just like really like ingrained with them, like family members or their, they played it from a young age. So like they lived, eat, sleep hockey, like that was it. And for me, I don't know what it was, but there was something, I think probably growing up in California and Arizona that like, there was a spark in me that was like, I would like more than just hockey. So i I didn't grow up on like a I didn't grow up in like Western Alberta with a farm. I grew up in Los Angeles and in Scottsdale, seeing like creative arts and uh, and entertainment and a lot of different things. So I was intrigued by other stuff at a young age.
0: And you had your friends who, outside of hockey, were doing all this stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so in high school, high school majority of my friend group, I would say, wasn't hockey. It was. It was baseball players and football players in high school and people that were living just like a normal kind of high, like kids, youth life. Um, and so I saw them being really into different music genres that were coming up and going to festivals and like things like that. So that I, was, I was into that. So ho- that ba- that like was really like the balance of my hockey career. So the way that that gets me into content is when I moved to Canada, Facebook was the platform and I didn't know how to really connect with my friends and family back home. So I just really went hard on Facebook. So I would just show everything that was going on in my day. Not everything, but I would just like talk about what's going on in my day, talk about where I'm at, music I'm listening to, things I'm doing. So Facebook was big for me. Then Instagram came out and Instagram was the first one you could do visually. And so I started posting on Instagram and I saw that people would build followings just by showing photos of things. So I became obsessed with that, started posting all the time on Instagram. Every hockey player that I played with was like, what are you doing? Nobody posts on Instagram that plays hockey. Why are you showing this kind of stuff? Like that kind of thing. Yeah but you and were letting
0: I, people into your life.
1: Yeah, I loved it. And I was and I had people following me for it. So I was like this is cool, people care about this even though my hockey team doesn't. I care about it cuz I'm connecting with different people. Then when I went to Russia, this was like where it started to get real for me. I went to Russia, Snapchat was kind of popping at that time. Everybody started using Snapchat and I was playing for the Russian Red Army. So they had they had four you can have four imports on a team, four people that aren't from the native country. So four non-Russians. So I was one of four people on the team that was for the Red Army, and I would go up and down from their first and second team. The first team was in Moscow. The second team was two and a half hours outside of Moscow in a town called Chekhov. It's like a town of 15,000 people in the slums of Russia. And what are you being paid at this point? Uh, The second team, probably like $30,000 US. The first team, probably like 90 or 100 grand. So it was a big, vast difference in pay and also in lifestyle. First team, Moscow is a nice city. It's like New York. It's like beautiful. There's there's areas where people speak fluent English. It's great. The, the second city that I was in, which I was in for 75% of the time, was the slums. I was in a Russian dorm, which is an old military base, taking 14-hour bus rides with guys on my team needing to go play. We didn't fly anywhere. Actually, we flew one time. We landed at, not even in an airport, just in a field. And so I was documenting all of this on Snapchat. So I was showing people what my life was like in this Russian city on Snapchat and people loved it. They were like, what is going on? And it was a private, it wasn't like a public thing where I was right. hundreds of thousands of people. This is blowing my mind. Yeah, but people were really intrigued with the Russian life and I wasn't even a star player. So for me, I was like, I was like, oh, people don't care that much about the stats. They care about like the personality behind the content. So for me, I was like, I can show, I don't, it doesn't really even matter if I'm playing. As long as I'm part of this team and can say like, I'm still a pro hockey player, I just want to show like what I do on any day. So that got me like really intrigued into like the build a personality and like build like a a lifestyle brand.
0: And how much did you care about the follower count going up at this point?
1: Didn't really care. It was organically, but Snapchat, I don't even think you built followers at that time. It was more like you added friends. So I had a lot of like people that would be like, yo, my, my friend like added you because they want to see what you're doing in Russia that kind of thing. So that led me in. So that, that was like tied in with Instagram. So I was like, wait a minute, this is happening on Snapchat. This is going to happen on Instagram where people are going to follow people just for their lifestyle. And then I started going hard on Instagram. When I retired, I started going hard into fitness and all of that. And that kind of started building me a real following. And then TikTok came out. And when TikTok came out, it was, it was like exactly what I was posting on Snapchat was what everybody was posting on TikTok raw, videos that were just off of your camera roll with like literally three words over them and these were getting shown to the world right like five million views three million views whatever so i was like oh this is going to be enormous like i know how it felt with people on snapchat when i was just documenting and giving my raw thoughts this is going to be huge and so tiktok was really like the thing that i like ultimately dove into that built a What's going on now
0: when did you find out you could monetize not find out but when did you actually take the next step to being able to monetize your your content
1: after the year in russia i came back to the us i thought i was going to probably get a chance at playing in it either the nh not in the nhl but for sure in the league below it and getting like a really good contract what's it called ahl I, I ended up coming back i ended up getting no contract my agent hadn't planned for the next league down so i had no place to go the next league down so I went to two tryouts and they were both were max capped uh for their salary cap so like we can't keep you and it just was like three different rege- major rejections after being in Russia just chopping you down at the at the legs that just I, like that, go back to LA Exactly that uh it, for me it was just like a big like sign of like look the time of hockey is you're good with it you're happy you've scratched the itch you've done like the thing you played in the equivalent of the NHL in Russia there's nothing more that you like are really trying to Aspire to do or prove to yourself, and um, I took that and was like, I, I think I'm gonna retire. But I end up getting a call to go to France and play. And France is like basically like a daycare, just like summer league, have fun. You do get paid. It is a competitive league. Like they take it very serious, but it's not as it's not as intense as Russia. And a lot of guys go there and actually have jobs in France and play and just like work and have and, to, and travel.
0: Do you get health insurance when you do this? No. No. I don't think so. Cuz maybe I did. You know what I'm saying? You're playing hockey.
1: I had a team with and 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 a doctor like, and stuff, so I wasn't okay. I wasn't worried about that. I'm sure you do. Uh Russia, I don't Russia, I don't know. Yeah, it's but like yeah.
0: Uh, you got to follow my boy JT. He's in the Russian army.
1: Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> you got
0: to see how he's living over there.
1: Something like that. And so France for me, once I got the call to go to France, it was like cool. I'm going to go there and I'm going to treat it like a part-time job. I'm going to I'm going to play, but then all of my time outside of the rink, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do in our tire. During that whole time I had met who's my now fiance, and I watched her go from literally being a a Los Angeles actress and model, not having any following to going really deep into health and wellness, stopping acting and modeling and really wanting to like get into health and wellness, building a following and monetizing it through brand deals. And so I saw that and I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do for sure. I love fitness. I love wellness. I'm going to film my workouts. There's not a lot of guys doing this. Like we're talking about Brian. like one of the only dudes there was like a ham devin there was a handful of guys that were doing it um and i was like this is going to be a thing that more people will will show this so i want to go and do that and i can work with a lot of the same brands that my fiance is working with because they're unisex and like i would use the product anyway so i went home and started filming workouts built my audience on instagram to probably like 40 ish thousand
0: so when you started doing that were there principles that sammy was using like did she have some principles that she was using that you're like, all right, I need to do that? For sure. I need to do that.
1: The whole t- because I had been doing creative on on MySpace, Facebook, Snapchat, and then Instagram all the way up to before meeting Sam, I like knew platforms. I like really understood it. So when I met her and she was like, I'm gonna go really hard into wellness, I was like, fuck yeah, let me help. If there's any way I can help, I'm here for it. So I watched her start to do it. Help I helped her find somebody that was like a consultant, that was like a social media strategist that could give her different days of the week. Like Monday is going to be like morning routines and Tuesday is going to be like your workout of the day. And when, so get structured with it. And I, so I watched her like really treat it like a business. And when that happened and it actually grew, I was like, oh, this is a business. Like this is legit. So I, I followed the same principles. Like when I came back, I was like, every Monday, I'm going to post like a workout every Tuesday. I'm going to post like my meal of the day. Every Wednesday, I'm going to post like a quote, like whatever was needed, needed on Instagram at that time. I did that. It worked for me. But I realized at the time that uh, that insti- that right around the time TikTok came out, I realized I love fitness, but I don't want my business to be fitness, fitness and wellness. Right. It's my foundation. Right. It's like like wellness is like underlies all the business shit that I do. But it's not what I, I don't like get, I don't get as, as excited as my fiance does about like filming one of my workouts or teaching somebody a workout. I really cared about the strategy behind it. And so I, as much as all of that was working for me, when I went into Honey House with Nick, I was doing the influencer postings. I was, that was my, my like money, was doing brand deals as a, as a fitness person. I knew there was like something else that was like really, that I was really passionate about. So that's why when I got the deal with Poppy to consult, I was like, oh, if this works. And I'm at, and it actually crushed it for them. This is gonna be sick because this is what I've been really loving. That was what I loved about Honey House was like me and him doing the strategy and it working and it turning into a business. Um, and so, yeah, so then when, when, when it hit with Poppy, it like really came full circle. It was like what I had been kind of like leading up to. Um, and then that's why I started the business.
0: So now with, uh, the amount of content that you put out, a lot of the content, if not most of the content is for creators by creators on how to innovate, how to move your business forward. That's fucking awesome. Do you still keep to the same principles that you were using for the health and wellness and now with the helping creators become better creators.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I th- like a big thing I think that I talk about a lot is that you have to have series. You have to have you have to have recurring pieces of content that people can know you for
0: on the same day of the week.
1: It doesn't need to be the same day of the week, but I think that that's like a helpful tip for a lot of people that really have a challenge with structure because most creative people are very unstructured, which all is over good. The place. Which I don't, I don't think there I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it's that's part of creativity is like just being a little bit all over the place at times. But I think a lot of people need a little bit more order uh, to run it like a business. So the thing that I think helps a lot of people is like a content calendar. Like think about what you would post on Monday and Tuesday and when, every day of the week. What's something that you could do every day that you can now know and pre-film shit for? So you can have a little bit more structure in your creative.
0: Do you have a content calendar? Oh, yeah. You do. But every, do, you have, do you have one for other people?
1: That I That people can buy? Yeah. Yeah, I do. On my... I have Notion templates. There you go. Yeah, so people can do that. I think it's actually free on my site. You can have one. Oh, that you could get.
0: You should uh, why wanna... not
1: link it, put it, go check it out. Nah,
0: why, why don't you put a dollar amount on it?
1: I have one that's I have like a Notion thing that's like every Notion template that we've used. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a bundle, and then I have a couple ones that are free. Cool. But I think that that's I think the structure thing is important. So I, I a majority of the things that I was doing with Sam as an influencer. Are now directly related to what I'm doing now with creators. Because it's the same thing. A lot of people that I'm working with are creators in health and wellness. So I'm telling them the same things that Sam has learned and that she's done and done really well. It's like you need to be community focused, don't monetize too early, stay consistent, put a content calendar together, treat it like a business. Build a team around you.
0: Don't like, monetize too early. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And um, talking with Max when he first started Siegelman Stable, I was I was with Ed Hardy for about four years. Mm. So I saw Max's virality, and I'm thinking back 15 years ago when you know th- they just like flooded the hats. Von Dutch, Ed Hardy, Von Dutch, Ed Hardy. I'm like, dude, make more make why are you only we're only putting out 120 of this colorway to 1200 it's like no no and he slowly slowly drip 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 wow exclusivity exclusivity Mm -hmm. seeing people who really want it like celebrities that really want it they can't have it because it just doesn't exist hey can you send me can you send my my talent this hat and it's like someone with 10 million followers it's like physically can't do it
1: i couldn't even buy hats from him
0: yeah it's it's very special to see
1: yeah it is it's dope
0: so what does the next six months look like going into q4 what do the next six months look like for you and your company
1: majority of the brands that we work with are in consumer packaged goods so the cpg world like poppy like poppy um super coffee poppy like a lot of those are in that like food and beverage sometimes beauty, personal care, lifestyle, but a lot of like CPG and majority of those brands right now are really needing to have successful velocity at retail, which means (laughs) the product. So it means a lot of people before when when the pandemic happened, everybody was like, nobody's going to shop in grocery stores anymore. Nobody's going to go back out and everything's going to go online. And so everybody went really hard online. And now with everything opening now it's kind of trickling back into people are really going back into stores, particularly grocery stores to buy their foods. They're not ordering things oh, online. Oh, this has
0: been for a year, year and a half now. Exactly. But.
1: And so now direct to consumer for a lot of CPG companies, there's two things that really affected it. One, everybody going back into stores. And two, Apple put out a an update to their pro- their security on iOS 13 that stopped um, phones to be to allow data to be shared with third party companies. So like the way that the way that uh, Instagram ads and Facebook ads and all that used to work is you had they had a lot of access to your data on your phone. So anytime you searched anything on Chrome or Safari or whatever, all of that data would get shared with Facebook. Now Apple has changed it and they cut off all of that data. So Facebook and all of that doesn't have that data anymore. So Facebook ads and Instagram ads and all, literally every social media's ads. Are not nearly as effective as they were three years ago.
0: So how are they feeding you ads? Like I feel like you know, if we're talking about, uh, we're talking about Prada sunglasses, and we're we're just talking about it. Prada, and we say it twice. I go on Instagram and scroll down. I'm going to have. I believe an that ad. that's
1: a different kind of ad. So there's there's tons of different styles of ads and ways that people get the data. But that's a, I believe that that's a different style that actually goes through like your microphone and Got it. it's more of like getting really specific with your targeting that people can't do anymore that they could do before, which is like, I want this ad to show in front of anybody that's seen X, Y and Z post in the last 10 hours and they're going to be in New Jersey and they're in this demo and just the way that you could like uh, specifically reach that person. You could do that at scale up. before, and you can, do it for, you can do it cheaply.
0: Literally down to a button.
1: Yeah, and so before, a lot of these brands would just spend a ton of money getting their ads in front of that person, and there was like a formula to it to where it would really work, and it would convert. And so brands would crush it direct-to-consumer, and that'd be their playbook. They'd be like, we're going to go all direct-to-consumer. We don't care as much about people buying things in stores. We want them to buy online. Now, with people going back in stores and that security update, People are, it's very hard to be a direct to consumer only brand for a lot of these CPG companies. So they're all pushing retail. So they're all like, we need people going in the stores, getting our product off of the shelves and buying it because all of these retailers like Wegmans and Whole Foods and Costco and Walmart and Target, they will only keep brands in their store if the product is moving off the shelves. Like they won't keep a brand in there if they have their product on the shelves and they don't sell anything because it's taking up space from other companies that could be there and actually be selling it. So all of these companies now are like, we need to figure out retail. We gotta like be better in retail. We gotta understand how to get product off the shelves at retail. So you're asking me what the next six months of my company will be. I think we're gonna do a big shift into understanding how to help brands at retail rather than just before it was like really pushing direct consumer. So really helping them online. Does it's, this
0: uh, kind of educate people on, as to where to buy things like going into Costco and seeing super coffee in Costco exactly. and making a video like a creator, like popping into Costco. Yep. Here's my super coffee. Here I'm home drinking my super coffee. I got yeah. From Costco.
1: Yeah, exactly like that. Things like that. Things like, hey guys, today is my Target haul. Look at everything that I got from Target. I got this makeup and I got this coffee. It's super coffee. I love this stuff. I get it every time I go to Target. It's usually found in this section, like that. I love it. Yeah. So that's I think that that's a big, that's a big, big, big thing for us right now Um, because I think that that's something that we can really be effective with.
0: Do you have a a company that might be like a a grail piece, like a company that is like a company you really want to work with that you haven't worked with yet, that like Mm -hmm. if you work with them and not to bring up the past, but it might be the equivalent of the NHL.
1: Not really. Like... A lot of the ones that I really love like Midday Squares is a small is a smaller one that I love and they're like a they're a company that I think does an amazing job with content so they're dope. Well, I'm uh, thinking like legacy brands. Yeah, like Mad Men, like, you Apple, know, I when when he dope.
0: got when he got Coca-Cola and Mad Men, that was like the 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 epic moment. Finally got it.
1: A lot of that for me is ego though. Like a lot of that for me is like the accolades mm-hmm. that I like we we worked with we've worked with Nissan, Skechers, Microsoft Best Western, like bigger companies now. It's
0: a big companies. And it's
1: not necessarily that I like, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it more. <laughs> I don't enjoy it less or more.
0: Maybe even enjoy it less because these are big companies and you would rather help the smaller company get out to the masses.
1: Well, it's even more the fact that I think the smaller companies are more agile and more, and you can do more because they're flexible. Whereas big companies can't move. Here's the way I look at it. Big companies move like a semi-truck. Smaller companies move like a Mini Cooper. So you can just like cut corners quicker and kind of like move. And and that's how I am as a creator. I like to move. I like to like do things and try new things always. And I think that companies that we work with, I want them to be like, I want to be like, oh, this new platform just came out. We need to test this. Let's go.
0: So you want to have the autonomy from the companies because they're hiring you because of your expertise. So if they don't give you the autonomy, it's kind of like, what am I doing here?
1: Yeah. And a lot of the bigger ones want to, but they can't because their infrastructure is just so big that they can't move that way. So then it just gets to be like, all right, well, we, we got to get to, we got to find the right size companies to where it's like, there's enough room there to move, but it's also like not too big to where it's like, we can't do this because it's too much red tape, um, enough room and not too much. So I think that that's like the, that's kind of like the place. Cause obviously smaller companies, budgets are smaller. So bigger companies, you get more for the actual job, but I don't think that that necessarily equates to enjoyment for me. So I, we're kind of like in the middle. I think mid, mid-sized companies is where we like. Um, but yeah, I think retail is a big, big, big thing.
0: Okay, so that's going to consume a lot of the next six
1: months. Yeah, and then my content. like, Tell me more. Long-term play for me, I think, is I want to be a big creator. I want to have millions on How all. How much
0: bigger can you get?
1: A lot bigger. How many I,
0: followers do you have
1: on YouTube? None. None. Just started my YouTube like a month ago.
0: Got it. So, so your your I main source, your your main outlets right now are Instagram, TikTok, and Instagram, TikTok.
1: LinkedIn. That's a that's a LinkedIn, ball. LinkedIn,
0: which is a massive community. Mm-hmm. I've tried to be active on LinkedIn, post one day, post the next day, and then just like falls to the wayside.
1: You need a content calendar.
0: I do need a content calendar, and I that have helps. the thing is I have the content. It's yeah. just a matter of knowing. All right. You know what, you're right. It's just a matter of go, knowing, kind of like going to the gym. I know I want to do eight reps of this, eight reps of this, and we'll do a superset. If I just superset every day, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn.
1: There you go. There you go. And I used to you do could thing, use that. Yeah. And I used to do a thing on um, on LinkedIn that was like every Monday I would do a case study of a brand that's crushing TikTok. And it was literally called like brands that are crushing TikTok right now. Um, and I just knew that every Monday it was going up. I gotta do something on Sunday or the week before that's gonna get this ready because this is gonna happen on Monday. And
0: there was preparation for that because you had to find a brand yeah. that you thought was valuable enough to throw in on Monday. Mm-hmm. And how much? How long did it take you to then record the content for that stuff?
1: It would be written. So it, sometimes it'd just be a screenshot of the brand's TikTok, and then I would just go right And you can schedule it. So I would schedule it, and it would go up on Monday. Amazing. It's really not that. It's really not that challenging. No, and that video is a, a lot. A video is a whole different level. And YouTube is an even higher level because it's longer and deeper. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you, like, I think YouTube, you can, that's why, that's why it's the, it's the platform that you can build the biggest community on. Um, because anytime, like, think about for Instagram or TikTok, you're spending maybe one to two minutes and it's audio and it's visual and there's even like text on it and stuff like that. For, for YouTube, that's like, that's five to 10 x with the amount of time that a typical video is. So you're just getting more, you're just being able to relate deeper. So the people that really crush YouTube, like really have a connection with their audience. So that's what I want. So I think that that's there, the goal.
0: And with YouTube, there's also different different layers on it. There's a description, there's the tags, there's most importantly, the thumbnail, which you know, one thumbnail could make a difference from yep. X amount of views.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's new. Um, long-term for me, I think is I wanna build that. I want to have a million on YouTube. I want to have a million on Instagram. I want to have a million on TikTok. Those won't be the the marks that will necessarily, when I will start launching products. But at some point where I look at my community, I'm like, oh, this is really built in. I'll look at all the products that are in my content frequently. And I'll be like, oh, nobody's innovated the tripod. Nobody's innovated the ring light. Nobody's innovated this cool, let me see if I can find a manufacturer and we could actually make this a better version of this.
0: Right, so you're thinking retail. Like I automatically think like Jesse Eitzler's, uh, he has a some sort of challenge calendar that he sells. Yeah. And that's where my head is going with you, where it's more of a digital product that could be monetized, kind of like a content calendar, but a content calendar that kind of like an NFT maybe comes with a bi-monthly, you know, 30 minute meeting with JT.
1: It could be a digital product. Like, I've done the digital products right now, but there's something that I like that's a something I like about having a physical thing. Like, this is what my, like, like I'm seeing this right now with my fiance. She launched the app. App is crushing. But I think, like, getting to see people wear her apparel or use, she has a journal. It's right here. Yeah. Or the journal or the, or uh, they have, um, they do like a Palo Santo set, like seeing people post that. And it's like a physical thing that people have. I think that that is, there's something to be said about that, Um, especially if it's something that people can buy continually. Right. It's something
0: that you created, that she created, that are touching people, that's making them feel better. It's making them better people. Yep. And that's special.
1: I agree. So that'll be my, that's my playbook right now is, uh, and and alongside of that, the whole time I'll continue doing the business stuff because the agency, Barnett X, Creator X, they fuel my content team. So the only amount of the amount of people that I can add, I love the the amount of people that are in this basement down here. The, That's why I'm here. Yeah. The, awesome. The my what I do with my company stuff will uh, fund my own content team. So the more that the agency stuff crushes it, the more people I just reinvest into adding people to my own content and the content then actually brings in more clients. So then they fuel each other. So my thing is like, Exactly. So once it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, I really have, oh, I think I want to get 20. Right now I have two people on my content team. I want to have probably 20 people that are on my content team, people that help with ideas, all different. Like once you get into the real weeds, then you have people that are specific, copywriter, like audio, video, somebody that literally just does creative direction, somebody that does certain types of edits. So I want all of that. And then that's and then you turn yourself into- This is
0: going to be massive. Yeah. Yeah, you're, that's the goal. Uh, yeah, you're you're speaking it into existence. Give me one word of advice for anyone trying to make it.
1: Self awareness. It's two words, but that's the most important. Because if you don't know yourself, you won't know your content. You'll do shit out of. You'll do shit because somebody told you to do it. You'll do shit because you saw it somewhere. You'll do shit because it's unconsciously moving you. Getting to know yourself is the first step of starting anything, in my opinion. Just,
0: just you versus you.
1: Yeah, or you with you. I like that better.
0: And now, give me a give me a book recommendation. I guess first, what are you what are you reading right now?
1: Dude, I don't read a lot. Do, I, do you read at all? I used to read a ton. What I about Audibles? Reading. Nope. No. Podcasts I like. Okay. YouTube I like. Uh, the reason why I don't read as much. When I was going through the hockey shit, when I was like retiring, getting I started re- I was reading a ton. Like I'm talking. Paperback. Paperback. Two books a month, three books a month. Jesus. Flipping through. And it was all like a lot of self-help, a lot of like Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, Eckhart Tolle, um, Jay Shetty, like every, every, all these. Jokes, I'm picturing
0: like- you like Russian army in a dorm. Just like freezing on a cot <laughs> <laughs> like using like a little flashlight
1: to read basically that's the visual okay on a train so you read all these so books. i was reading a lot of books um i stopped playing hockey and the thing about the books is like a lot of people speak in absolutes so it's like you can't do this or if you want to figure out how to win at life you must do this so i would read it and i'm like in a place where i'm like trying to absorb knowledge because i'm like shit i, I want to figure out what's next for my life So I would read the book and I'd be like, cool, got it. This is what I need to do. Then a week later, I would read another book and it'd be like, you need to do this. It'd be like a different thing. So I'd be like, shit. All right, cool. Like I need to do this. And it got to a point where I was like, I have so many people telling me what I need to do that I can't even hear myself. So I was like, I'm going to put all the books down and like literally cut cold turkey. I'm going to put all the books down and I'm just going to go and listen to myself and see like what I actually feel like I want to do. And so I stopped reading then and then I just haven't picked it up since.
0: What's one book that you would recommend for everybody, though? There, after all, Out of all these books, like, it's the piggyback on what you just said. It's funny. So, like, four-hour work week. Mm-hmm. The people who read that and think, like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. No, you grab, like, 15% of the book that you implement in your life. And then you read another one, the absolutes. The whole book is an absolute. Grab 15% and add it onto the pie.
1: Love that. A lot of people don't think that way. It's crazy. It's Especially like Especially uh, people that are, like, in a... Like, I don't even want to say vulnerable, but like are in like a place where they're like, those are the most
0: absolutely like where you were.
1: Yeah. Trying to like figure out a stage of life or understand something. And then they're like, this person knows it. Give me 100% of this. Um, So yeah, doing it that way. Love it. And I'm not against reading books. It's just, I just right now, I just don't feel like it's needed. I am reading a book right now. It's funny that you said this because I just got back. There we go, Mr. I don't read books. Here we go. Let me tell you what this is. I'm really big on sauna and ice bath. Okay. I have a sauna and an ice bath at my house. Okay.
0: What 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 type of ice cold bath? Cold plunge is the okay. ice bath and okay. cold
1: plunge is the sauna. They make a sauna now. Cold plunge. Um, and give you a statistic. The number one happiest country in the world every year is Finland. Finland. Six years in a row. Want to know what they equate it to? Where do you think the saunas were be- that were started from? Finland? Yep. And Finland it has like 2 million lakes within the country, and they attribute a vast majority of their happiness to hot and cold. And so the book that I'm reading right now is- literally this. It's gotta be like a children's book. Like it's probably like 70 or 80 pages. It's like, the it's called like the Finnish way of life. It's either the Finnish way of life or the Finnish culture. And the reason why I'm reading it is because I'm just very deep in the sauna life right now and like understanding that because anybody that goes into sauna consistently for a month, sauna and cold plunge for a month, will recognize started doing that like that two months is ago a game changer
0: every day it's absurd every day i go sauna for try to go up to 20 minutes but like cool. 10 to 20 minutes if it's uh if i got time more than that right into a uh, cold, cold ice cold shower love that it's amazing
1: what kind of sauna
0: uh it's at lifetime fitness oh cool so, so it's, it's a traditional yeah, yeah like yeah, 100, 180 degrees yeah cool. it's awesome
1: the 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 traditional ones where you actually have the water pouring on the rocks is are way better than the infrared.
0: So I went to Bath House in Williamsburg where they had that. They had this whole ritual. Sick. They threw snow snowballs. Yeah. And to, it melts snow, on the snow rock. cones. Snow. Yeah. They threw snowballs on there and then poured uh, essential oils on it. Yeah, we do that. And like you know, got the towel going around. It's great. It's fucking epic,
1: dude. It's oh uh, yeah. It's all so that's all Finnish traditions. That we, have, that we use. This is
0: like a aha moment. I, I got a buddy of mine who lives in Westport who five years ago had this idea for um, a recovery studio. But like ice bath, sauna, journaling, uh small place, 500 square feet with just recovery stuff five years ago. A few months ago, he hits me up. He's like, I really want to act on this. Do you think it's too late? I'm like, no, no, no. You were ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Now you're with the curve. Yeah. Get off your fucking ass and do this. And he's been trying to think of a name for it. Mm. And I think something that like comes back to the Finnish way. Sick. Is a great name for a recovery studio in Westport. The Finnish way.
1: The Finnish way. You like I that? love that. Yeah. It's very I, cool. I mean, dude, the, they're like one of the darkest countries in the world. And for them to be the happiest still. It's, nuts. Um, it's crazy. So, yeah. So that's the that's a book that I actually am reading right now. Um, say the name again I literally went on Amazon and typed in Finnish culture and I think it was like one of the top and you enjoy it love it it's about a New York girl that actually it's literally about a New York journalist that went to Finland and thought she was going to be there for a second and ended up staying for like a couple years because she fell in love with the culture it's amazing simplicity and and nature and all that that's a book that I would recommend if people are into Cold Plunge and sauna. but uh, another one that I would actually recommend if if there, if you wanted one um that i like is called start with why simon sinek yep that's one that i I read multiple times that i think still to this day there's a lot of it that applies to what i do of just like that is like self-awareness having a reason to do it intention behind what you're doing
0: my dude this is fun thank you for coming um enjoy the rest of your week here in new york thank you and if you liked what you heard today which everybody loved what they heard today i am inspired JT could be found at?
1: Everything is just JT Barnett. B-A-R-N-E-T-T.
0: Hit the like button. Smash the subscribe button. And uh, see you soon. Cool. Dude, that was good. That was fun. That was a good one. That was really good.